Public participation will work as follows. The chair will call for public participation. Those in physical attendance will be given the opportunity to address the PLDRB members by approaching the podium. When no further in-person attendees approach the podium, the chair will then call for public participation from callers that are on the line to address the board. For all callers, prior to calling in with your comments, if you are watching the meeting from our website, please mute your computer so when you call in with your comments, there is no interference. To participate via phone, please call 386-223-1690. You will need to hit star 9 to raise your hand to provide your comments when you would like to speak during public participation. You will be acknowledged by being unmuted and you will hear a message that you have been unmuted. Please begin by stating your name clearly and slowly for the record. You will have three minutes to speak. When there is 15 seconds left in your three minutes, you will hear a beep, and then at the end of your three minutes, you'll hear another beep, and you will be muted at that time. You will not be disconnected from the meeting. All callers will have the opportunity to speak. Please be aware there may be a short pause as we switch to the next caller. Today is December 16th, 2020. It's approximately 5.30 p.m. Please rise and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. Irene, would you please call the roll? Mr. Smith. Here. Mrs. Lucas. Here. Mr. Albano. Here. Mr. DeMaria is excused. Mr. Scully. Here. Ms. Shank. Here. Mr. Lemon. Here. Ms. Bott is excused. Ms. Nicholson. Here. Mr. Hilton. Here. Mr. Chairman, we do have a quorum. Thank you very much. First item on our agenda is approval of the minutes from the meeting of November 18th, 2020. Are there any corrections or additions from members of the board? All right, hearing none, is there a motion to approve? Motion to approve the minutes. Is there a second? I'll second. All right, a motion and a second. Irene, would you call the roll? Mr. Albano. Yes. Mrs. Lucas. Yes. Mr. Hilton. Yes. Mr. Scully. Yes. Mr. Lemon. Yes. Ms. Shank. Yes. Mr. Smith. Yes. The motion carries seven to zero. Thank you. Item number two is the Palm Coast Commerce Storage Phase Two Technical Site Plan, a Tier Two Amendment, Application Four Five Five Three. Mr. Tyner. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and good evening, Planning Board members. Um, yeah, this, this item is a modification to uh, an approved uh, site plan that actually the uh, planning board approved back in May 20th, uh, 2020. Uh, the site is under construction, been, been under construction for several months. Um, the, the applicant has provided amendment to, to that uh, original site plan to allow for 20 covered recreational vehicle storage units um, to, to the south of the project. And that requires a, a approval by the planning board since it's a modification of a of a tier um, two site plan. Um, city staff is um, Mr. Hoover, our senior planner, will have the details in the staff presentation. Good evening, everyone. Uh, the site's uh, about 4.3 acres, located about 800 feet south of Palm Coast Parkway. 
at the southwest corner of Commerce Boulevard and Pine Lakes Parkway. On May 20th of this year, uh, the Planning Board approved a technical site plan, Tier 2, uh, for a three-story, approximately 66,000 square foot self-storage facility. Uh, that facility has been under construction for a couple months. The property owner recently submitted a technical site plan tier two amendment to add 20 covered RV storage spaces south of the uh, building that's under construction. The site is designated industrial on the future land use map or flume as it's frequently called. And there's four uh, zoning districts that are allowed in that uh, Industrial classification, those are IND1, or light industrial, IND2, heavy industrial, COMP2, or general commercial, and then high intensity commercial, which is COMP3. To the south and east, you can see the uh, yellow area. Those are uh, residential, <coughs> and then there's mixed use along Palm Coast Parkway. This is our zoning map. And you can see that the Commerce Park, uh, all that area along there is uh, light industrial or IND1. To the east is DPX, which stands for uh, duplex. And then to the uh, south, and southeast, there's a little bit of public, semi-public or PSP. And then straight south, there's uh, SFR2, SFR3, which stands for single-family residential. This is a, just a quick graphic of what the site plan looked that the planning board approved, I guess, about seven months ago. And you can see we, where the building, the north arrow is to the left on this. So the you can see the buildings up towards Commerce Boulevard. And then there's a pond getting closer to the south property line. And, and I do want to point out the south property line has about 100 foot of restrictions so that there's really no development can be in there. The landscape buffer, buffer overlaps into that a little bit. So there's a large canal going through there plus a heavy wooded area. This is a picture of what the building looks like uh, it, that's just some uh, insulated siding that's yellow on there that uh, they're putting on right now. And then to the uh, left side of the screen, you can see there's uh, existing trees in a 25-foot buffer G. So one of the restrictions the city landscape architect put on this is that we have specific storage space standards. So if you store RVs or boats outside in a commercial venture, there's, uh, you're basically not supposed to be able to see it up to a, the height of the roof. And so uh, in the contingency is on the landscape plan that once the uh, landscaping goes in, our landscape architect will make a site visit and ensure that that is covered. If it's not, they'll have to plant some additional landscaping, and they've already agreed to do that. This is the new uh, storage. The 20, there's 20 uh, RV covered storage spaces. They're 45 foot deep, 
12 foot wide and the middle is open so you can see it's located between the pond and the building and this screen is basically you you might be wondering why we're bringing this back so uh, section 2.0507 of the land development code provides four thresholds for review of technical site plan modifications and if the changes do not exceed any of the four thresholds then it's an administrative review that's done by staff in this case uh, one of the standards is the impervious surface ratio that includes buildings sidewalks and, and pavement so if it increases by more than 15 percent then it gets kicked back to the uh, it go with the planning board is uh, a reviewer also so in this case it goes up by 33 percent and you can see that in the upper right hand part of the screen it went from 22.7 percent to 30.2 percent uh, I also showed up there parking for RVs uh, it's two spaces per hundred so they amended their parking uh, calculations so they had 444 storage space units and they're adding 20 outdoor RV spaces so anyway it really didn't change the calc it, they updated the calculations but they already had enough parking so it didn't make any difference the other thing uh, was and it's a little bit more uh, the land use administrator makes a determination did the project increase in intensity so the uh, in this case because the other one went up the land use administrator didn't really uh, have to make a decision on that so it, it probably in my opinion it probably did so anyway that's the reason we we brought it to you for those two items and the technical site plan is analyzed for five key criteria we went through those uh, many times and uh, we provided uh, detailed findings in the staff report and essentially phase two will not create a nuisance hazard or any compatibility issues as it meets all development standards and is in compliance with its industrial designation on the future land use map the probably uh, the project already has needed infrastructure in place it supports three goals or policies or objective objectives of the comprehensive plan and it meets the standards of the light industrial zoning district and the unified land development code planning staff recommends that the planning board approve the technical site plan it's a tier two amendment for Palm Coast Commerce Storage application 4553 condition upon finalize all engineering plans prior to any new site work for construction of the 20 covered recreational vehicle storage spaces and the uh, applicant and his engineer is here if you have any questions for staff or them all right the applicant does not have a presentation uh, correct they do not okay um, bring it back to the board then does does the board have any questions of the staff or applicant Ms. Lucas prior to the presentation tonight 
how many uh, spaces were set aside for persons with disabilities? With disabilities, it's two. Out but of you're, overall, of how the many? first 25, you're required to have, uh, I'm pretty sure it was two. Um, is, is that correct, Mr. Engineer? I think it's shown on a previous slide, but I, you're required to have for the first 25 spaces at least one. There, I appear there's one, one handicap space. One, one handicap space or dis disabled. Does that seem reasonable? That's no, that's been around for a long time. That that I've been a planner, and floor each state sort of does it. They they create their own standards. And if I can just add, Ms. Lucas, that, um, you know, when we, when we have a site plan that's going uh, through, through our process and through review, uh, the Florida Building Code has standards for ADA, and our building official actually reviews along with our site development engineer to make sure we meet the minimum standards, not only how many, but where they're located and the striping and the signage and the width and, and all those factors to, to make sure that we're in compliance with the ADA standards. I understand. I think that the, uh, what caused me a, a bit of concern was you say this is what is required. But my question was, does that seem reasonable? Because um, in, a, in a town like Palm Coast and where people are, you know, a large percentage of senior citizens with disabilities, it just seems to me that there was an option to build more or to assign a few more spaces for disabled persons, that it would be a good thing to do. Not that it's required, I'm sure that it does meet the requirement. It just seems that it would be a reasonable planning thing I, to do. I, I have seen that done, especially at like medical offices. In this case, I, I think, uh, and if you remember right, I think I was on a cane about a year and a half ago, but a, a self-storage place, I. I think it's more frequented by people younger than me, or you're in pretty good shape. But if you're uh, if you're disabled, it's you're probably not as likely to go to that type of a facility as you would other type of facilities. So as you get older, we there we have to limit our activities some. I'm not quite there yet, but okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. All right, are there any Thank other you. questions from the board? Okay, seeing none, we'll move on to public comment. Uh, this is a public hearing. So any member of the public that would like to address the board, please come forward, state your name and address. You have three minutes to, uh, to address the board. You will be allowed to speak only one time per item. Are there any members of the public that would like to speak on this item? Do we have any in virtual attendance? We do. Got three. Three for this item. Two Sanchez is that last? They're on the next item. Okay, they're yeah. They're, yeah. they're the applicants I would, for the yeah, next Yeah, I would item. expect that. Okay, so none on this item. Okay, seeing no one approach the uh, podium and nobody in virtual attendance, we will close the public hearing. Uh, and come back to the board for any questions or a motion. I make a motion to approve 
Tier 2 Amendment for Palm Coast Commerce Storage, application number 4553, conditioned upon um, the finalize, finalize all engineering and landscaping plans prior to any new site work for construction of the 20 covered recreational vehicle storage spaces. Thank you. Is there a second? I second the motion. All right, there's a motion and a second. Irene, would you please call the roll? Mr. Albano? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Mr. Lemon? Yes. <coughs> Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. The motion carries 7 to 0. Thank you. Now we'll move on to item number 3, which is the West Pines Master Plan Development Amendment. Go up next, or do I have to um, Mr. Tyner, who will... Thank you, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, this this, this item was actually heard by the uh, the planning board on October twenty first, twenty twenty, and uh, for a uh, a master plan development located in the West West Pine subdivision, uh, the planning board at that time recommended approval uh, unanimously of, of a six zero vote. Then the item went to city council that heard the item uh, on November seventeenth, twenty twenty. Uh, and then through conversations with uh, the city council, uh, they remanded the item back to the planning board specifically to consider um, to, uh, to, con to reconsider relating to um, side yard setbacks. So it was very narrow in their scope uh, to come back to um, the PLDRB. To, to look at side yard setbacks. So, um, with that said, Mr. Hoover will, will probably um, kind of refresh you a little bit about the site and the master plan uh, since it's been since October. And uh, Mr. Hoover has that staff presentation now. Good evening again. Uh, the request involves uh, in the W section 20 lots along Weymouth Lane running on the golf course. Uh, those are shown in red. 12 of the lots have already had attached homes built on those. So the, uh, the attached homes are two single family and, and each one is on a lot with a zero foot setback on one side. The remaining eight lots are the basis of the uh, request in the MPD amendment. Uh, back in 1988 to 1990, ITT built attached homes on 12 of the and the remaining lots, uh, eight, have set vacant since uh, that time. On October 21st, the planning board reviewed and unanimously recommended approval to city council. And then on November 17th, as Mr. Tyner mentioned, the city council remanded this back to the planning board. Uh, there was a neighborhood meeting on this way back probably in about September or so. And uh, as we found out some of the concerns with the neighbors, uh, the applicants have addressed uh, some of those and uh, have worked with the neighbors uh, uh, some and staff has stepped in and tried to move things along too. The, uh, couple things that staff suggested was the having 1,800 square foot minimum living area homes and the building's one story. The one story was for compatibility reasons. Primarily, 
the 1,800 square foot was for two things. One, in staff's opinion, uh, if these units were built and were rented out, which was a, a concern of the neighbors, that uh, the 1,800 square foot would eliminate that possibility, uh, some, but not, not 100%. The, the other main concern was closeness to the existing attached homes. The project went to city council with 7.5 foot side yard setbacks on the new homes if they're single family detached. Since that time, the applicants have talked to the neighbors and agreed to go with 10 foot side yard setbacks on the four northern lots. The four northern lots are between some of the uh, existing attached homes while the four southern lots are clear to the south of any of the attached homes. Uh, a couple other requests were that the homes have attached side loaded garages like the attached homes do. So in this case you can see the south four lots which are these are lot numbers on there not street addresses. So the uh, when you see 14 that's the last south lot that's vacant. 15 and 16, there's no numbers on there, but that's the first two attached homes. And then 17 and 18 are vacant. Then we have, uh, I don't know, it looks like six or eight attached homes, two more vacant lots. And then up there where it says Weymouth Lane, there's two more uh, attached homes up there. This is a picture of the uh, existing attached homes. According to the property appraiser's office, this is where we came up with the 1,800 square feet. Uh, minimum was the existing homes. There's probably three or four different floor plans, but they varied from 1,810 square feet to 1,975 square feet. They all have a two-car side-loaded garage. They're all one story. You can see this one has brick on the front along the street. This one here does not on the garage side. So they're just uh, similar in appearance. This is a picture of a house across the street that's uh, pretty similar. The, on the opposite side of Weymouth Lane, they're single family detached homes and they're uh, all, almost all one story. This shows uh, that lots 11 through 19, which include, uh, those are 75 foot wide lots. When it goes up to lot 20, for some reason, those are larger lots, uh, 10 foot wider. This is a picture of a home I showed you before. It's at the end of uh, Weymouth Lane, past lots 27 and 28, uh, about four more lots down there. It was built, uh, I think, in 2019. It's 62 feet wide, and it's 2,200 square feet. And I mentioned it was fairly, fairly good example of what's getting built in Palm Coast on the ITT lots. So uh, part of the reason that staff was uh, asking for seven and a half foot side yard setbacks on the 75 foot wide lots that would leave uh, where a home like this could probably be built. If, uh, if you go with 10 foot setbacks, then it would not be able to. 
Okay, um, we've had some requests that the side yard setbacks for the new homes be 15 feet. Um, this is a picture of a almost new home in Grand Landings that's 45 feet wide. So if you take a 75 foot lot and put two 15 foot setbacks on it, this is as big a home as you will get. And so Steph does, in Steph's professional opinion, that home is not compatible with neighborhood. So some of the potential options the planning board could consider is go with minimum 10 foot side yard setbacks on the northern four lots and remain at 7.5 feet on the southern four lots where there's not much concern from the neighbors. The applicants have agreed to do that. Uh, two or three neighbors have also suggested and, and asked for side-loaded garages. So that's something else that could be considered. And the third thing is that the setbacks on the new homes do not actually have to be the same on each side. So instead of going 10 and 10, they could go 12 feet next to an attached home and eight foot on the other side, for instance, or even 12 and a half and seven and a half. And this shows you what that would look like. So starting on the left side, you'll see a zero foot. That's an attached home where there's no uh, setback on one side because it's attached. There's 13 feet on the other. So if the new home went 12 and a half feet on that side, there would be a 25 and a half foot setback. The, uh, then where the new homes are next to each other, they would still have a seven and a half foot setback, which is what's customary out there for a minimum in uh, most of our SFR two and three zoning districts. And again, as you go to the right, the blue line is just separating the south lots from the north lots. So. Uh, as we see the home on the, the new home on the right, there again, there's a 12 and a half foot setback on that side, and then there's a 13 foot setback on the other side. So you'd have a minimum of 25 and a half feet. Uh, as this would, this would go back to the city council, and there would be two more public hearings on it. The applicants are in attendance, uh, Joshua Bryant and Alberto and Antonio Sanchez, and I put this graphic here at the end in case there was any questions. It's easier to discuss something if there's a graphic in place, in my opinion. Thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, there are two applicants in attendance virtually. Is that what you said? Yeah, three? three? All right, have they requested to speak? None have requested to speak? Okay. All right, we'll, we'll come back to the board then. Uh, does the board have any questions of the staff or applicant? I have a question regarding the <clears throat> conversation that the, they had with the existing owners on this 10 feet. Um, so are we, are we not um, voting on those four south uh, north lots? Or are, we, or are we still keeping this as a whole project and the side yard setbacks? going to be based on 
our conversation for all of the lots. Well, I, I think that you have the option to do whatever you think is right. I, I mean, I, I could see imposing a setback on some lots that's different from what it might be on other lots. I think that ability is open to the board. Okay. Thank you. Not uncommon in a MPD. As right. Chairman has pointed out. Any other questions of the staff or applicant? So we could have a different standard for for different uh, lots for yeah adjacent yeah. to existing. Exactly. I I have a series of questions because I, I wasn't here for the October meeting, so forgive me. But um, some of this might be rehashing what you already did. But the original PUD was adopted in Flagler County, and when I looked at it, it required an exhibit seemingly at a later time was that exhibit entered into the record sometime later I, I I see this exhibit b1 and b2 and I don't know which is the original the we've we've changed the text on exhibits b1 and b2 both of those well, I'm talking about the original one back back in 1987 when this project started, there was a PUD adopted in Flagler County. When I read it, it was like one page, and it, it required an exhibit to be filed or adopted later. I'm just wondering, was that done? What I'm trying to figure out is, was all this stuff in the record for the last 33 that, years? Mr. Clint, um, you, you know, th this is some of the issues, too, that with this being being done in the county is that, you know, it was not recorded in the public record to, to, to see that as a MPD. I mean, we had records, and I think the applicant had testified at the last public hearing that they didn't know that they couldn't do single-family houses on it. That's, you know, because they couldn't see anything in, in the public record. And, you know, I'm kind of guessing here a little bit, but I think that attachment where you're talking about, I think that that came later at like what the county had, like a preliminary plat stage or something where that exhibit came in, but it really is convoluted. Well, that's what I was trying to figure yeah. out is if it was in the record, then whether they knew they should have known if it's recorded in the records, that changes my thinking. If it's yeah. not there, then they wouldn't have known. No one would have known if it's not recorded. So that's the reason for that question. And uh, second was, do we know if there were covenants and restrictions when it comes to the, s the side entry garage? Do we know if there were covenants and restrictions recorded that required that? Or is that just something that was done? That is something that's being suggested by, by the, uh, uh, the, the, the residents. All right, so there's no requirement that we know. Yeah, that. For, these, for these specific lots, there are no covenants and restrictions with the association associated with these vacant lots. Just okay. on the on those exhibits, it does say there's no pools or rear fences. I did so see that. We, we carried that forward with the right. uh, amendment. I, I assume that's because of the golf course. But um, my last question is: under the new MPD, as proposed, regardless of what the side setbacks turn out to be, can they still build attached product if they wanted to? Yes. Or is that? Yep. Can't? We kept that alternative in there. Okay. I have a question. Um, so all the lots now along Weymouth are somewhere between eight and 10,000 square feet. Is that correct? Some are a little larger than others, but they're right at about 9,000 square feet average. The, the lots are generally a little over 100 feet deep, just a tad over. So the 8,500 square foot ones are, I, I think they're like 8,600 because they're just slightly pie-shaped. Okay. 
just very slightly. So 86, 8,700 square feet for the 27, 28, and uh, 18, and then 17, and the other ones are probably 75, 7,600 square feet. And Mr. Smith, I was just going to add, you know, part of the conditions in the original was also, too, for the house size that the neighbors had requested. And what is that uh, minimum house square footage? 1800 1800 that's in the master plan development agreement as well and a one story okay any other questions from members of the board okay we'll open the public hearing uh, as I stated earlier uh, if you wish to address the board please come up state your name and address you have a three minute time limit watch the timer when you get close to three minutes try to wrap it up you do only get to speak one time, so if any member of the public would like to speak, please come forward. I was volunteered to go first. Uh, good evening. My name is Rick Claiborne. <clears throat> uh, I live at 58 Weymouth Lane. Uh, several years ago, my wife and I decided when we retired, we were going to move to Florida. And uh, we're from Minnesota, so uh, the reason should be self-explanatory. Um, we started looking at communities uh, throughout Florida, and we got to Palm Coast, and it just became obvious right away we really liked the place. Uh, the, the neighborhoods are nice and tidy and clean, and um, we really liked what we saw. It was near things that were important to us, you know, Walmart and grocery stores and things like that. So we started doing a little digging. I mean, we were going to up and move, so we wanted to make sure we made an informed decision. And... Uh, so we started making a few stops and checking out some more neighborhoods. And, and one of the stops we made uh, was to the Chamber of Commerce. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we got pamphlets on where to go and what to see in Flagler County and Palm Coast and, and so on and so forth. And I asked the woman behind the counter, I said, where are these guys keeping their boats? I mean, we drove around all kinds of neighborhoods and never saw a boat outside of a house. And it seemed really odd to us. And she kind of smiled. And she said, maybe you want to take a little trip over to code enforcement and talk to those folks for a few minutes. So we did. Uh, and it was a really good visit. I'm glad we did, you know, wanting to make a good decision. And a very nice man explained some codes and things and gave us a pamphlet about all the codes and things. And uh, we thanked him when we left. And at first we were really put off by all these codes and rules and things. But the more we drove around, the more we appreciated them. These codes and rules really made Palm Coast and these neighborhoods really, really what they are. It became really clear that they were important. Uh, so we decided on Palm Coast, and uh, my wife made up a list of houses that we were going to look at and uh, all that stuff, and we sent it to our realtor, and uh, we met her, and we started driving around, and uh, the first two or three houses were nice. You know, they, they probably would have done. We got to the fourth house, and we made our approach on Weymouth Lane, and the neighborhood just kind of blew us away. We both looked at each other and it was neat and tidy, and it had mature vegetation, and you could look across the street, and you could see the golf course, and it was just really a well-put-together neighborhood. Uh, and then we got to the house, uh, and we really liked it, too. Uh, so we decided right there to buy it. I mean, and, and I guess the reason I'm here tonight is to tell you that the neighborhood had a huge influence on why we bought the house we did. And I'll be bold just for a second and say, you know, probably our neighbors, too, uh, when they rolled into this neighborhood, they just really liked the look of it. So I'm here also to say, as you consider changes to our neighborhood, uh, I hope that you consider all the residents of Weymouth Lane. Thank you for this opportunity to address the board. Thank you, sir. All right, next speaker.
My name is uh, Dave Kaufman. I'm the treasurer, uh, secretary of the West Pine Homeowners Association. My wife and I live at 59 Weymouth Lane. My wife and I bought our home uh, in 2004, and uh, we really liked the look of that place when we first saw it. It was, it was hard to believe when we pulled into the driveway that it was an attached home. Uh, the side garage and uh, the way the garages are set there at a 90-degree angle made all the difference. Um, when you come to the front from the, from the street, uh, all the driveways in our association homes have a slight turn to go into that side garage. All of the homes have double doors in the front. They have nice high sloping roofs. It, it's really a good look. And uh, I'm here to uh, encourage that side garage, loading garage, especially in those four northern lots. Because with our association, we have uh, one, well, two homes at each end, and then the four lots in between, and then we have eight homes in uh, in between those empty lots. So for continuity and for uh, look and for simply uh, the way we would like to continue with our homes if those homes are built there, that, that side load garage uh, I think will make a significant difference. So thank you. Thank you, sir. Next speaker, please. My name is Gendra Sinello. That's G-E-N-D-R-A, if you've got it right. I live at 63 Weymouth Lane. My husband and I bought our home in 2000, but we didn't move up here to 2008. We came up to Palm Coast to play golf one weekend and fell in love with the city. We're from Fort Lauderdale. Every chance we got, we kept coming up on different weekends to look at property. We knew what we wanted. We wanted the townhouse, villa setting, on a golf course. Well, there just wasn't anything available at that time. There was a, a development, a townhouse development on the Pines, but that was, the rooms were small and the two-car garages were very small and it just didn't fit us. Then one day I noticed a for sale sign on one of the villas across the, the way there. So we drove over and asked them if we could see it. Well, when we pulled in, those the side entrances and the two-car garage doors, it was just perfect. The, we have beautiful views of the golf course, and we'd like it to kind of stay that way. But now, for some reason or other, I was told that they're no longer marketable. And I really find that hard to believe, because whenever anything comes open, it's gone the next day. If you drive down many of the streets in Palm Coast, you'll notice the new developments. There are different size houses and all kinds of things. In West Pines, we'd like it to stay the way it is. At least the two lots between 63 and 71 could stay attached homes, as well as the lots between 29 and 79 to keep that continuity that we'd like to see. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. 
Jim Sinella. I belong to her. <laughs> uh, I've been listening to talk about making things this, that, and other. I, my curiosity is, what is wrong with the zoning that we have now? It's been there for 32 years. Someone said, it's not really a marketable product. I play golf at Halifax Plantation. I invite any of you to get in the golf cart, go to the 11th hole, and you'll see fields of these. They call them villas, so we should call ours a villa. They can't put them up fast enough. So when I hear this stuff that it's not marketable, it's not true. That's not true. Then we heard that these lots were purchased and they did not know what the zoning is. One person bought seven lots. They're a developer. I find it very difficult to believe that a developer will buy a bunch of lots and not know what he can put on them. And it seems like everybody's asking us to bend to the developer and not the developer put up what it's zoned for. We made him an offer that the interior, four interior lots, keep the status quo so that our symmetry is all the same. The other four lots on the end, if he wants to build single family, God bless him. But don't take away, oops, don't take away our symmetry and our beauty and the reason that most of us own those homes. They say they're not marketable. You put one up for sale, it's gone in a week tops, or it's word of mouth. Somebody hears they want to sell a unit, bingo, it's gone. Why do we have to make adjustments for what somebody else wants? This is what it always was, and I find no reason why there's any need for change. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Next speaker. Next speaker.
Uh, good evening, Mr. Chair, members of the board. My name is Rob Boone. Our family lives at 29 Weymouth Lane. Uh, I hope you've had a chance to look at the letters and attachments from our family and 11 other families on Weymouth Lane, both to the board and the city council, which are on pages 119 to 130 of your agenda package. I won't repeat those details. Based on what uh, others have said tonight, I will just point out in terms of marketability, the two northern lots were sold as attached homes in the last two years. Um, respectfully, I think the board has two viable or reasonable choices at this point, to either keep the status quo, particularly on the four northern lots, uh, or if you're inclined to go grant the application, then I think you need to maintain the existing MPD requirement of a minimum of 26 to 28 feet between any uh, new homes and the existing homes. Why these two choices? Because the City Council immediately and unanimously recognized that the board and planning stat, staff had not analyzed or responded to the calculations, arguments, and suggestions of these 12 Weymouth Lane neighbor families. Existing homes on this stretch of Weymouth Lane are in fact 33 to 45 feet apart. We're only seeking fairness that the spacing minimum 26 to 28 feet be respected and that you not permit spacing of 20 and a half feet, or as we've heard tonight, uh, speaking for myself for the very first time, a proposal that would have 23 feet with a 10-foot uh, uh, side setback. Um, three last points this evening. First of all, in the letters that you and the City Council have received, the four arguments that we've presented have really not been addressed. Secondly, and most importantly, in terms of practicality, we the neighbors have demonstrated with calculations presented to the board, staff, and the City Council, which you'll find on pages 122 to 124 of your package, that there is enough room for the applicants to build an 1,800 square foot home without encroaching on the 26 to 28 feet of any existing home. None of the board, staff, or applicants have demonstrated anything to the contrary during this entire process. After the City Council meeting, still seeking feedback on our calculations, I emailed staff on November 19th a few times, the last time saying that we, the neighbors, had, quote, crunched the numbers, and no one has shown us why our numbers won't work. That was the point to the City Council. On November 23rd, the reply I received stated, quote, I have too many projects and deadlines to meet to do the work you would like me to do. I don't think that's an acceptable uh, response. Finally, the board's earlier decision to allow seven and a half feet. Can you wrap it up quickly, please? Yep, yep. Okay. Last time. Thank you. Basically gives the applicants everything and the neighbors nothing. If you do one of either of the two things I suggested tonight, it would then force the applicants to show the city council either that they can build, as we have demonstrated, or they can show to the city council that they cannot. All right. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Next speaker, please. All right. Asking any other speakers in person? Okay. Do we have any virtually? Uh, hello. Yeah, I would like to speak if, if possible. This is Joshua Bryant. Uh, if you give me the go ahead, I'd be. Yes, you have three minutes. Please go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, I didn't ask to speak before because I spoke at the last meeting and you know, there was nothing in addition to add. Um, 
the only thing I wanted to add, because especially since the one gentleman wasn't there last time, is that one of the main concerns and the main origin of the situation was because I own one lot and the Sanchez's own a lot next to me. And they've owned theirs for many, many years. And my father purchased that one a few years ago. So, you know, as you said, the convoluted nature of the zoning, which my father did not know about, obviously has been an issue for many, many years because these sales were illegally done or done without disclosure. And we are at this point that we are now. But in the end of the day, I just wanted to simplify because there was a lot of mention of developers and things like that that don't really need to apply here is, you know, separating the homes just so individual owners can build on them, such as the Sanchez's family. You know, the setback is something that I didn't think of that made sense to me and is something that we've tried to compromise. And the one change that Bill presented, for example, only changes the current setbacks that they would have by half a foot. So I thought that was a pretty good approach to that. And I don't know if the town has mentioned it, but I have not heard of any issue or this rezoning has anything to do with marketability. Attached homes, I think any homes right now, especially in Palm Coast, would be marketable. And, you know, if we are not able to build on these lots, like I have one lot, so I would not be able to build an attached home on the next lot. These absolutely are sellable and a developer could come in and build attached homes and then sell them individually, of course, just as they did the first time around. That was just never one of the issues. And I just wanted to reiterate that because I don't think marketability is an issue no matter what. It's just making these properties viable for the owners and for, you know, what makes the most sense to where we are now. If anyone has any questions for us or the Sanchez's, I'm sure they'd be glad to answer. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much. Is there another virtual speaker? None others? Okay. Seeing no other speakers, we will close the public hearing and come back to the board for any questions or motion. I have a question. So with Mr. Bryant just speaking in regards to lot number 18, if we were to decide for 17, 18, 27, and 28 to remain consistent with the current development there of single family attached with the side garage, it would then require 17 and 18 to pretty much agree to combine their lots, correct? That's correct. Or build together. Or build together. Has that been discussed as a potential option so that to maintain the continuity between from 17 up to 28 with that northern side so it's consistent? That was brought up by the neighbors as a potential option. Is this a question for me or for Bill? Well, I was wondering in terms of the Sanchez's and the Bryant's. Yeah, in regards to your question, actually, yes, we reached out to them because we were thinking of all of the issues, which neighbors had specific issues and what we could do about it. And I am not planning on living there as the Sanchez's are planning on moving their family and building homes there. So I reached out to them to see if maybe we could, you know, sell 18 and 17 together and kind of remove it from this issue. But just like many of the owners that live there now, Mr. Sanchez, their father, who's not here, that is the lot that he would like to build his house on, and that's why he bought it. So he was not interested in combining it with mine and selling it or getting rid of it or 
you know, building an attached home to sell. He wanted to build his own home. So we have, you know, discussed, yes, anything we could do to make this easier and make it work. We're just in a tough position because we did not know about this. And as you may have heard last time, I brought this up recently to the Sanchez's who have owned these for many years, and they challenged me when I first told them that single-family houses cannot be built. We were thoroughly not aware. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Are the Sanchez's developers in other areas? The Sanchez's are custom home builders up in Canada. I think it's in Ontario, Providence. I believe they build, like, very custom homes. They told me, like, three homes a year. So the two brothers are, like, co-owners. Mr. and Mrs. Manuel Sanchez are their parents. So the parents are the ones that own Lot 17, and that's the lot that they would like to build on. Mr. Hoover, are they on the line? It's Antonio. I'd like to speak, if possible. Antonio Sanchez? That's correct. Yes, you can speak. Go ahead. So as Joshua mentioned, my parents bought Lot 17 with the intention of building. They live in Palm Coast now. They live on Putter Drive, and they'd like to build a custom home around 2,000 square feet in the next couple of years. Now, they wouldn't have purchased that property knowing they would have to build an attached home with somebody they didn't know. So absolutely none of us knew about the requirements of building attached homes there. And as Joshua said, he is the one that shed light on that and said, hey, guys, you guys don't know that, but you and myself and your dad need to build a house together. Those are the covenants in that community. So that was all news to us. So the lot that my parents really like to build on is Lot 17. And Alberto and I probably won't build a retirement home in that community for at least five or ten years. So our plan is to probably sell one or two of the lots and then keep the other lots for ourselves for a retirement home down the road. So initially, the city had tabled a seven and a half, and we went with that, thinking that was okay. And obviously there was some pushback from the community, and Joshua, my brother, and myself chatted, and we said, let's go to ten feet, if that will appease the neighbors. Because at the end of the day, we want the neighbors to be happy with what we build. And initially we thought if we tabled that it would be single home, bungalow, one story, minimum 1,800 square feet, I think the community would be one, the value of the property would be better, higher. And two, I think it would be nice for the community. And the idea was to build something that lent itself to that community, not build something that totally stood out. In terms of developer, Alberto and I build three or four houses a year in Ottawa. Our intention is not to build ourselves, but rather hire a builder in Palm Coast to build a home for us. Because we don't have connections and contacts in that community. So we are not 
this big bad builder developer that's going to go in there and that's not our intention we plan on build maximum three homes on that street so if there's any other questions in terms of for Alberto and I or Joshua we'd be happy to to answer them if we could thank you any other questions from the board yes yes go ahead a couple of things one is from what I've read by all the applicants particularly you mr. Boone thank you very much they seem to not have an issue with anything except the side yard the setbacks on the side that's the only issue with them and 1,800 square foot homes are being built all along this area with the existing 13 and a half foot setbacks or even larger if that's the only issue then we ought to be able to come to some time kind of terms with that and secondly does changing the seven and a half foot setback would that have any undue make any undue problems for the existing lot owners that aren't even living there now is is that really such a tough issue that you know we can't get this resolved I had a similar thought the the slide that said you know perhaps a 12 and a half setback a minimum setback on interior to me that would make sense on adjacent to existing homes as of whenever it's passed and then you know then leave this the standard SF seven and a half on non adjust not adjacent like the rest of it or you know because you know that's 12 and a half plus the 13 minimum now now we're talking about a half a foot I you know I think that might be a reasonable approach bill can you put that slide back up that you had showing what Jake was yes yeah that's exactly what I'm talking about is if it's if it's adjacent make it 12 and a half I have a comment yes go ahead um I think just because you put an eight you know just because the lot will hold an 1800 square foot house I don't think makes it just a viable project or a quality project I think having a single-family narrow house of 49 feet like we saw in the slides is not really harmonious with the context both architecturally and landscaping with the existing houses I you know the the attached houses are basically on 150 foot lot so therefore you can build a pretty wide home and have a nice side yard setback because we went back and we approved this a single family I really think we have to stick with the seven and a half feet however I also think that the existing homeowners like they said they're the ones that are just taking the haircut on all of this my opinion is we stay with the seven and a half feet but we change the setbacks for the existing homes to seven and a half feet as well maybe they want to put an addition on or maybe they want to put you know a larger garage so that's that's just my opinion okay any other questions from the board all right I it's kind of a tough issue if if everything had been properly recorded in 87 I would not have a lot of sympathy for the buyers because they should have known but if that's not the case that complicates things greatly I 
listening to the neighbors, I understand their their uh, concerns. I would go, I could consider seven and a half between new homes, but 13 or 12 and a half adjacent to an existing house, which gives you 25 and a half or more between. And I would also consider the front in, or the side entry garage because that's consistent with the rest of the neighborhood. Well, those are just my thoughts. But as a side entry, uh, for those of more building experience, the side entry garage present um, present uh, uh, issues to, to develop because you know with that turn, you're you have more driveway. Out, right, yeah, driveway you have a much deeper driveway sideways. Yeah, as long as it fits on the lot, right. you know that would be the only concern. Right, they so couldn't the get it on the lot. If the driveway was allowed to be uh, closer to allow for that bend, and but I think the I think the side yard setback does not apply to the driveway, does it? Right. There's a maximum length of 35 feet. If you have a side load garage in Palm Coast, you can only go out 35 feet towards the side property line. Right, but how, how close to the side property line can you go with the driveway if it's a side loader garage? Oh, I believe um, it's five feet. Five, five feet? Five feet. All right. So that... So that, you get an extra two and a half feet. That That would essentially alleviate, I, I would think, I'm not an architect or anything, but... The problem with this... still do that and make the turn. The problem with the side load garage is if you have a 49-foot house and you have a, you know, just a standard, you know, 20-foot deep garage is almost 22 feet in depth. You don't really have much. If you go back to one of these other slides where they show this 45 foot wide house, you have a garage box, a small front entry, and then most likely like a bedroom or something in the front. So. It, it might be a little tight on some of them. There's no doubt about it. But it would keep in character with the rest of the neighborhood. That's my only thought. We may, and, and I'm just going to add, I mean, we could add some flexibility in the MPD development agreement. You know, if our code is five feet, that maybe we allow it to get a little bit closer if practical. It would just give you a little more space to, to get that. Because so, you do need more space, there's no doubt about it, to make that turn. All right. Well, what's the pleasure of the board? I agree with what your recommendation is. I agree with what you just Making a motion. <laughs> <laughs> can you restate that? Yeah. You re can you restate can that you re before the motion? I doubt I could. <laughs> yes. Sandy. Um, I make the recommendation that the we increase the setback for the lots that are adjacent to existing homes to the recommended 10 feet. 12 feet, 12 feet, to the recommended 12 and a half feet. And the lots that are new homes not adjacent, adjacent to the existing lots remain at seven and a half feet and that we have side entry garages. And, and give the staff ability to modify the side setback to the driveway if needed. Right. To accommodate the to side entry. To accommodate as needed. Okay. That's my motion. Does that cover everything, Ray? Yeah, I got it. We have it, okay. sir. Is there a second to the motion? I'll second it. All right, there's a motion and a second. Um, Irene, would you call the roll? Okay, Mr. Albano. Uh, no. Mrs. Lucas. Yes. Mr. Hilton. 
Yes. Mr. Scully. Yes. Mr. Lemon. Yes. Ms. Shank. Yes. Mr. Smith. Yes. The motion carries six to one. Okay, does, does everybody understand what was adopted? Well, I mean, this is a recommendation of the City Council, so it goes on to the City Council with that recommendation. So 12 and a half feet side setback for any house abutting an existing house. Seven and a half feet if you're abutting, you know, new house abutting new house. Side entry garage and, and some flexibility in the setback to the driveway to allow for the side entry garage. That's that's the recommendation that'll go on. Yeah, I think that was already a provision. The single story in the eighteen hundred square feet is not changed. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, my understanding is it already allows for attached homes and that will remain. Is that that's correct. That's correct. Okay. No. no, no, the four lots would have the twelve and a half foot side setback if adjacent to an existing house, and only seven and a half foot side back between the two new lots, not not an existing house. So that keeps you the twenty minimum twenty five and a half feet, I guess, between houses on those northern four. Are they going to be attached homes or unattached? Unattached. They can be either, but they can be unattached. Yes. yes. They can so again, that's the recommendation of City Council. It goes on to City Council. They make the ultimate decision. I'm sure they'll be happy to see you again. <laughs> Mr. Smith? Good. Good. Thank you so much for your comment. I, 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 we tried to do the best for everybody here. So, Okay, quick. Mr. Smith, I have a question on the, on the wording of this. So when we say 12 and a half feet for an existing home, is it the existing homes as they are today? Yes. So you need it as of date. Yeah, sure. because yes. if there's somebody that builds on one of those lots in the north, then it becomes an existing home. So then he's going to have to be 12 and a half feet from that one. Right. Word is better. So do we need to modify the same well, as well, of Would you want to clarify that, that it's ex existing means whatever those lot numbers yeah, are? Yeah, we'll do that. I mean, that's what's, that's what's up. The, the vacant ones are the ones that are up. I mean, that was we'll, the intent we'll of your that. motion. And the right. second was, was the existing lots that are there today. So I forget the lot numbers, but yep. you'll, you'll get that in the agreement. Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you all again. All right. Uh, we'll move on to item number four, uh, Elite Custom Tattooing Special Exemption Application 4551. Uh, is Mr. Hoover presenting this? Yes, sir. Mr. Hoover is going to present this. Uh, just a little bit of background while he's uh, getting his presentation up and getting ready. <laughs> Uh, this uh, was approved by the uh, PLDRB as a special exception uh, in the past uh, for uh, tattoo uh, for, for the same business. Um, business is good for them, and a, an adjacent unit came available that's directly adjacent to them, and they wanted to add that on as, as part of their business. You know, it'll take the wall out and everything like that, and... Uh, so, you know, technically, we, it, it's almost like a modified version of the existing special exception, but, you know, for, for our application purposes, it's a new application for a special exception. But with that, Mr. Hoover will have the uh, quick staff presentation. All right. Thank you. Mr. Hoover. 
uh, the name of the business is Elite Custom uh, Tattooing. It's located at uh, 160 Palm Coast Parkway at City Marketplace. Uh, I think that's a, a two-story building there. And they're specifically asking for an exception, special exception, for tattooing, body piercing, and other body arts in the general commercial or COM2 zoning district. This is our future land use map. Uh, basically, this entire area here is mixed use, which allows almost any zoning district. And the site is uh, zone general commercial or COM2, which is the uh, red area there. Uh, and, and to the northwest, you see a deeper red. That's high intensity commercial. Directly to the west is a uh, multifamily residential two where I think you've seen two or three times a assisted living facility that's currently under construction there. They do share the same access, uh, joint access, where the brown and the red comes together there off of Cypress Point Parkway. And to the southwest, that property designation is public, semi-public, or PSP, and that's basically city stormwater drainage system and uh, canals. Uh, about three and a half years ago, the planning board approved a special exception for uh, tattooing in unit A203 on the second floor. Since then, as Mr. Tyner pointed out, the business has been successful and the uh, adjoining unit has become available and the uh, business owner has talked to the uh, property owner and they've agreed to lease them the uh, next door unit uh, contingent on the planning board approving this special exception. Uh, the applicant did meet the 14-day requirement of sending out certified mail to uh, neighboring properties. Uh, staff has not received any comments for or against the project from the public. Uh, the special exception, there's like three criteria in there. Um, in, in this case, the, is it consistent with the specific requirements for that particular use as set forth in this land development code? Um, in this case, tattooing does not have a special requirement. I did mention one earlier for the outdoor storage, so we have some specific standards for that in there. And like convenience stores is another one that we have, uh, drive-through facilities, uh, churches, and a few other ones. Uh, basically, it's located in a large office, retail, and commercial uses site, and uh, it's previously been developed. All uh, in item B there is, does it meet the concurrent concurrency requirements of the land development code? Obviously, yes, because it's already uh, been constructed, this, this center. Uh, and the last one is, is it compatible with surrounding neighborhoods and promotes the value of surrounding land structures or buildings? The existing facility in Unit A is operated for uh, almost three and a half years, and the owner has already demonstrated that it can operate it in a manner compatible with uh, neighboring properties. And perhaps the best example is that is the uh, property owner is willing to lease them an another unit. 
Uh, City Marketplace does have a wide variety of, of commercial uses there that function uh, well together. Planning staff recommends that the planning board approve special exception application number 4551 for tattooing, body piercing, or other body, body art. The applicant is in attendance if you have any questions for her. Okay, the applicant does not want to make a presentation? No. Okay. We'll come back to the board. Are there any questions from the board or the staff or applicant? Yes. Would there be any services provided that are not currently being provided, or is this just an extension of the existing business and, uh, and, and functions? Yeah, please come on up. Just state your name and address when you answer. My name is Danielle Murin. I'm one of me and my husband own Elite Custom Tattooing um, at 160 Cypress Point. Um, we currently have uh, three tattoo artists that work in the unit we have now. Um, we only do tattooing. We are planning on using the new space <coughs> for larger uh, waiting area um, where you have merchandise that we sell, which basically is sitting in the back right now because we don't have room to display it. Um, we have been speaking with the, uh, we've worked with the health department in the state and the health department locally. Um, and we are talking with them on what requirements would be to include a piercing booth. It would be one piercing booth. There would be only one piercer. There is not going to be any more tattooing added to it. So we won't be adding any more tattoo booths. There won't be eight, nine, ten tattooers and then, you know, a bunch of piercers. So as far as the uh, people coming in, the clientele, we have our existing clientele that come to us already, so it won't be increasing the amount of traffic that much. Um, most of the clientele that we get calling asking about piercings are ages you know, 18 to 30. It's not out of state people, it's not, um, it's local people, um, which we have to send away to another city to spend their money in another business because we don't have um, that business here in Palm Coast. There are other tattoo shops. The only other tattoo shop that offers piercings is in Flagler Beach or in Bunnell. So in, you know, within Palm Coast, we don't have an option for them. So we send people to Ormond Beach or St. Augustine. Um, and we really have a lot of business there that we're losing basically. Um, but like I said, it would just be one, it's one piercer, one piercing booth. I'm actually, um, have been going through training. I'm certified as a piercer in the state of Florida um, through the health department. Um, and as the owner, I'll be conducting that business. Um, we're not gonna be adding more piercing booths later to that unit. It will only be the one. Um, and we are working hand in hand with Mr. John Bear with the uh, health department on all of our requirements, what needs to be standard for keeping everything, you know, up to code. Thank you. Any other questions from the board? All right, thank you. Not we'll open the public hearing. Uh, any member of the public wishes to address the board, come forward, state your name and address. You'll have three minutes to speak. Are there any members of the public in attendance that wish to address the board on this matter? Seeing none, are there any in the virtual? On this matter? Okay, none. All right. 
Seeing no public comment, we'll uh, close the public comment, come back to the board for any questions or a motion. I'd move to approve. Okay, there's a motion to approve the special exception. Is there a second? I second it. Motion and a second. Irene, would you please call the roll? Mr. Albano. Yes. Mrs. Lucas. Yes. Mr. Hilton. Yes. Mr. Scully. Yes. Mr. Lemon. Yes. Ms. Shank. Yes. Mr. Smith. Yes. The motion carries seven to zero. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Yes. Glad your business is doing well, especially Absolutely. in these times. Absolutely. <laughs> Are there any other uh, items to come before the board? No, sir. I just would say, um, you know, it's at the end of the year here, and we'll we'll see you next year. And, and you know, um, our staff, and on behalf of Community Development Department, we really appreciate your service. Um, we wish that all y'all have a great holiday season with your families. So, and we're looking forward to coming back, and uh, we'll see you in 2021. All right, thank you. Thank you. It'll be a better year. Is there a motion to adjourn? Oh yeah, a motion to adjourn. <laughs> Is there a second? <laughs> Is there a second? I second. Okay. Irene, would you call the roll? Mr. Albano. Absolutely, yes. Mrs. Lucas. <laughs> Mr. Hilton. Yes. Mr. Scully. Yes. Mr. Lemon. Yes. Ms. Shank. Yes. Mr. Smith. Yes. Thank you. We're adjourned. <laughs> Everyone have a Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Happy Christmas. Halloween.